Hi, we've got three stories from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn what would happen if you could stop time, why speaking multiple dialects of the same language is good for your brain, and why there's a secret room behind Mount Rushmore. Let's satisfy some curiosity. You know how some superheroes and supervillains can stop time? Well, it turns out the real-world effects of stopping time wouldn't be very practical. But they're a pretty fun way to learn about physics. Can I just say I loved this article? Yeah, me too. I <laughs> loved writing it. I'm really big into time stopping because I played a lot of Mega Man 2 when I was little. Aha. Flash Man is iconic. Really good music too. Yeah, actually, you helped me with this article because I was like, what's an example of a time where you stop time? And you're like, Mega Man. I remember. And then time stopped. And I thought to myself, now is my chance. <laughs> anyway, it was good. Before we get into this, let's define what we mean by stopping time. We're talking about when you stop time for everything but you, obviously. Like in TV shows or movies where everything is frozen and a character walks around moving stuff. Adam Sandler in Click, Keanu Reeves in The Matrix, stuff like that. Well, for this to even work, you need to account for every molecule of fluid and air inside and outside of your body. If you're able to move around, then we have to assume the molecules inside you can move around too. And if the air in the rest of the room stopped experiencing time, then every molecule would stay suspended precisely in the same location. So you wouldn't be able to move because you'd be trapped in a prison of air molecules. So let's say that time keeps flowing normally for the molecules near your body. And beyond that, time stands still. All right, well, there's still a problem. As you listen to this, particles of light called photons are traveling at the speed of, well, light, obviously, into your eyes. You're also hearing this podcast at the speed of sound through the air as pressure waves that eventually get to your ears to vibrate your eardrums. If you stop time, then all light and sound would stop too, which might leave you instantly deaf and blind. Not super helpful, right? Okay, let's say that any photons that had already been emitted from a source like a light bulb, your cell phone, or the sun, let's say that those photons got to keep traveling. Okay, well, then you've got anywhere from a fraction of a second to a full eight minutes where you could still see. But we want unlimited time, so let's not stop it completely. Instead of stopping it, what if you slowed it to a crawl? Well, that wouldn't work either. When you slow down electromagnetic waves for light and pressure waves for sound, you get waves of a lower frequency. But at a low frequency, you'd hear sounds that drop below the range of human hearing. And light at a lower frequency moves into the infrared, microwave, and radio wave realm. So you wouldn't be able to see that either. In the end, maybe the ability to stop time is one of those superpowers in the be careful what you wish for category, like reading thoughts and turning everything you touch into gold. Still, who said science fiction can't help us learn about science? You know that there are lots of advantages to speaking multiple languages, but what about speaking more than one dialect of the same language? A recent study suggests that there might be advantages to that too. You speak multiple dialects? We all speak slightly differently to different people, right? Like, if you were going to be in a job interview, you'd use different language than you would with your friends. Right. But I think certain people actually do speak different dialects. One good example of this is African American English, or AAE, which used to be called Ebonics. That's an actual, legit, alternate dialect of English. Oh, well. For this study, a team of researchers was outside of the U.S., but they tested three groups of Greek speakers— now, in Cyprus, the official language is Standard Modern Greek, but the everyday language of life is Cypriot Greek. That's different from Standard Greek in pronunciation, vocabulary, and grammar, like the example that you give. 
The researchers tested three groups of children on cognitive performance tasks. One group spoke one language, another group spoke more than one language, and the last group spoke more than one dialect of Greek. Both those who spoke more than one language and those who spoke more than one dialect performed better than those who spoke one dialect of one language. Now, modes of speaking, whether they're called languages or dialects, belong to communities of speakers, and it's usually the relative status of the community that determines whether they get to be called languages or dialects. But people can belong to many communities at once, and they can learn to easily code switch among many modes of speaking. So it may turn out that the practice of switching or managing many modes of speaking at once, regardless of how formal, official, or prestigious those modes of speaking are, is where the cognitive leg up comes from. Today's episode is sponsored by PBS. Do you love a good book? Do you have a favorite novel? Catcher in the Rye, 1984, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, Gone with the Wind, The Color Purple. There are so many classic and beloved stories, it's hard to pick just one. But PBS needs your help doing just that. PBS has a list of America's 100 best-loved novels, and they need you to help pick number one. The Great American Read returns Tuesdays this fall at 8, 7 central, starting September 11th on your PBS station. Host Meredith Vieira talks to some of your favorite authors, celebrities, and athletes about the subjects and stories found in our favorite books. They'll explore the many ways these novels affect, reflect, and connect us all. Visit pbs.org to see the entire list, vote for your favorites, and share with your friends. It all leads up to the grand finale on Tuesday, October 23rd, when all the votes are counted and America's favorite novel is announced. Celebrate reading, books, and imagination. And join the conversation at hashtag GreatReadPBS. The Great American Read returns Tuesdays this fall at 8, 7 central, starting September 11th on your local PBS station. Every year, nearly 3 million people visit Mount Rushmore in South Dakota, where the carved busts of four American presidents stand six stories tall. Maybe you've been there, maybe not. But did you know that Mount Rushmore was never actually finished? And that is the least of its secrets. Today, we've got the scoop on a secret room that actually does exist behind Mount Rushmore. This is not a conspiracy theory. However, my belief that there are aliens living inside it is definitely a conspiracy theory. <laughs> I don't really believe that. Oh. Just, I know you were thinking I did. Well. Not this time. All right. All the aliens are in Nevada. Everybody knows that. <laughs> The man behind Mount Rushmore is the sculptor Gutzon Borglum, the Idaho-born son of a Danish immigrant. He was quite the character, and you can read about some of his background in our full write-up on Curiosity.com and on the Curiosity app for Android and iOS. But one thing he firmly believed was that he had to do something special so he wouldn't be forgotten. He once wrote, quote, Each succeeding civilization forgets its predecessor. Civilizations are ghouls, unquote. Construction on Mount Rushmore started in 1927, and 11 years later, he started working on a massive Hall of Records. It's just behind Abraham Lincoln's hairline. Never thought I'd say that phrase. And he wanted to use the chamber to house all the information about the mountain and the United States that anyone would ever need, including the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, by the way. Visitors would climb an 800-foot rock staircase and look up through an 18-foot-tall doorway at a gold-plated eagle stretching 38 feet wide. Modest. <laughs> the U.S. government didn't exactly share his vision, so they asked him to focus on the faces instead. But three years after he started work on the room, Borglum passed away, leaving the room and the faces unfinished. The Hall of Records is still there, but it's close to the public, so you'll have to be satisfied with photographic evidence. Porcelain tablets were installed in 1998, laying out the history of the project, including words from the sculptor himself. Quote, 
Let us place there, carved high, as close to heaven as we can, the words of our leaders, their faces, to show posterity what manner of men they were. Then breathe a prayer that these records will endure until the wind and rain alone shall wear them away. End quote. That's all for today, but Curiosity has big plans for the weekend. This weekend, you'll learn about a theory that says our universe is just one of many previous universes, a beach where thousands of glass orbs are hidden every year, why we itch, six magic words to get to the root of a misunderstanding, and more. If you've got a minute this weekend, then please take our listener survey. Thank you if you've already taken it. And if not, then you can find a link in today's show notes and on our podcast page on our website and on our Patreon page and in a secret room behind Abraham Lincoln's hairline. We really appreciate it. Join us again Sunday to learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Have a great weekend. And stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.